This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Territory Story Podcast. I'm Leon Logan-Nathan, and with me, my co-host, Peter Gowers. Pete, how are you? Hello there. G'day, mate. Uh, Mate, uh, uh, after that uh, podcast with Nick the other day, I'm I'm wondering whether you want me to call you Peter Gowers. <laughs> I don't, um, but I'm fascinated how uh, uh, particularly things come about because, um, yeah, it's one of those things that you can get two names that are spelt very, very similarly, but based on perhaps, you know, where they come from in the world, that they're pronounced completely differently. That's right. uh, but, but when I go to Asia... Um, I may as well be Peter Goers because that's what they call me. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't figure out the gal bit. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Hey, uh, so our special guest on the podcast uh, today is a lady by the name of Alison Ross. And I've got to make sure I get the, the surname right because when I first met her, she had a different surname. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Alison. Uh, Alison will tell us in a minute, but I. Uh, at a REINT, a Real Estate Institute of the Northern Territory Awards, back in the 2000s, like 2005 or something like that, I'm going to guess. Um, and I was a judge at the awards, and Alison won Real Estate Agent of the Year. And I remember, like, you know, having to judge those awards and looking at all the um, submissions, and I was always impressed with, you know, I mean, I don't think I've. Okay, well, I only judged it for a couple of years, but Alison's submissions always stood out in my mind as being someone just exceptional in how hard she worked and how she kept everything together. And uh, I've always, uh, since that time, I've always been impressed with Alison. And although I don't see her often, whenever I do see her, I always take the opportunity to uh, ask her how she's going and um, and find out what's happening. Alison is also the... Um, one of the few guests that we've had, or the second guest at least, from Catherine in the Northern Territory, which is 300 kilometres south of Darwin. So um, I thought it would be really good to have her on the podcast, Pete. We need more people from Catherine, so I'm, I'm pleased that Alison joins us. It is a hub and it is a, a city that is known from not just obviously in the Territory but around the world. So sadly she couldn't be number one, but she's only missed it by a week or two. That's right. That's right. So, Alison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Peter and Leon. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes, I've had a busy schedule the last few months, so it's taken me this long to get here. Um, and thanks, Leon, for that feedback from 2005. It's been 15 years, but I haven't heard that um, feedback. So, Is that right? Um, good to hear because obviously as a nominee for any awards or as a finalist or as a winner, you never understand or get to see someone else's submission so you, you think okay we've achieved but how did we compare to the others so no first time in 15 years for that feedback thank right, you right right no it was really good I, I just remember it's because I think the guy that was in charge of elders and Catherine had taken off and you were sort of dumped in it to try and hold it all together and yes. in the process of doing that you shut you sold a couple of cattle stations and uh and a few other things uh, and it just blew everybody else out of the water. <laughs> yeah, no, throw, throw something chaotic at a busy person and they will take it on board. There was a couple of other key staff in the office at that time and, yeah, it was really good to keep it together and obviously a lot of things you, you 
then you, you get thrown into the deep end and you, you soon learn to, to swim quickly and, and with the help and support of those around you. And we all got through and, yeah, look back and think how do we did it, but it was great along the way, yeah. You learn so many things that then set you up for, for later um, later um, uh, achievements and, and tasks you take on. So uh, your current position right now, Alison, what's that? Uh, so I'm the business owner of the Elders Real Estate Catherine franchise. Right. Um, I'm also the rural salesperson for Elders Rural Services sort of for the top end of the NT, yeah. So I sort of a, a business owner um, and handle the rural and commercial sales pretty much. Okay. Wow. So your story, your territory story, what is it? <laughs> um, Catherine's actually the longest I've ever lived in one town. I've been here. It's December 2000 I moved, so coming up 20 years. Right. Um, prior so where, to were you, where were you born? Yeah, so I was born in the Adelaide Hills, a town called Strathalbyn. Um, grew up there, sort of grandparents in Adelaide and then uh, the Adelaide Hills, a little town called Malang was my other grandparents. Um, unfortunately, uh, my parents separated, so mum and my stepdad and I, we headed off to a little town called Wyala, which is on the Air Peninsula um, uh, west of Adelaide. So we took off there when I was about seven or eight, so um, just on my own. With my, with my parents, obviously, um, older brother and sister, uh, they sort of they were quite a bit older and sort of left home, so I never had them with us. But, yeah, lived in Wyala sort of through primary school. For four, lived in there for four years through primary school. Uh, then we went into Port Augusta, um, another country town in South Australia, uh, where I sort of went into high school. And then um, through employment opportunities, my parents moved to a little town called Sejuna on the west coast of South Australia. Wow. Um, back at that time, or it's probably said the same now, but the South Australian Certificate of Education split over two years. So you, you choose your subjects beginning of year 11 to set you up. And I remember at the time sort of Sejuna was like, oh, of those five subjects, you'll have to do three over the phone. Obviously, this was in 1993, so no internet is <laughs> I had done, I think it was a, a it was Italian, no French. When I moved from Wilder Port Augusta, the high school went from French to Italian. So I did six months of French over the phone, which was very difficult. So year twelve, over three out of five subjects over the phone wasn't sort of much of an option. So I went to Adelaide then um, and caught up with my dad and my grandmother and did year twelve in Adelaide. So um, yeah, that, and that was sort of certainly. Um, uh, I guess it surprised me, you know, you come from a country country school and you think things are, are pretty cruisy. Um, you know, good teachers, good school, um, but going to the city with 300 year 12s was a big eye-opener for sure. Mm. Um, so the competition, everyone aiming for the 20 out of 20 scores back at the time. Um, but, yeah, it was always, um, I guess, moving around so much, you know, with primary schools and high schools, you're sort of always the, the new kid. Um, and looking back, I sort of see myself, as, I guess that's how I was quite shy at the time. You know, you're always a new person, didn't have any siblings my, around my age at school with me. So it was a bit of a challenge, but we got there. Yeah, got through year 12 in Adelaide. Mm. And, and you said you had uh, some older, an older brother and sister, did you say? Yes, yes. Right. And so did they follow you to, to Adelaide as well? No, no. So they, um, uh, they're... <laughs> 
on the promise of right. Uh, same mum, different dads. So they're from my they're from my mother's previous marriage. Oh, okay. Um, so they were by the time I was in year twelve, they were married with their own families. Right. Yeah, one yeah. was in Western Australia, and one was farming in um, southeast South Australia. Right, right. And so you finished year twelve in Adelaide, and then what did you do? Um, straight into uni. Um, I heard a lot about gap years and then you never go back. So <laughs> <laughs> while I'm in the mode, I'll just keep keep going with the, the study. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad had suggested, look, you should do should do accounting. You know, there's good money in being an accountant. And I just had visions in the early 90s of an accountant being um, just stuck in an office all day, wearing suits and crunching numbers. So um, no thanks. <laughs> Whilst we in Port Augusta, yeah. we had... Um, yeah, we lived in a small town just out of Port Augusta called Stirling North and we've had horses and a lot of friends in the Flinders Ranges. So I spent a lot of time up there um, with horses and out on property and things. So the ag side of things was of interest there. And then I heard about um, Roseworthy College. Um, I had a few friends sort of from Port Augusta that were at schools in Adelaide um, and some of that rural connection. So I actually applied for agricultural business so I decided to do that at Roseworthy, just an hour or so north of Adelaide. Um, not really sure where you're wanting to go. At the end of year 11, actually, I thought about being a pharmacist. I had a, a cousin who was a pharmacist. I'd like chemistry. Why not? Um, but within 12 months, changed tact, um, I guess, because I was reasonably good with figures and numbers. So, yeah, agricultural business and also the draw card for Roseworthy campus, you know, um, a bit more casual than the city campus of Adelaide. So moved out to Roseworthy for three years. Um, that was a three-year degree out there. Um, that was a really good time, obviously, <laughs> any ag colleges are. Um, but, no, um, met some great people, a lot of sort of farming um, students there or kids from farming properties. Um, that's university offered obviously agricultural science so you sort of onto your agronomy a bit of wine marketing they used to do wine making but that had closed by the time I got there um, and also sort of natural resource management courses so a whole range of other on-hand scientific subjects um, and also doing the business side of it which I think actually now that course is offered in back in Adelaide because it's mainly a lot of marketing finance um, you know strategic planning sort of subjects so I think it's swung back to Adelaide now um, but it was really good connection with a lot of sort of rural and farming families um, that you sort of catch up with on when you had school holiday or university holidays holiday sorry um, and sort of also did a few sort of farming production subjects and farm business plans and those sorts of things so that was really really interesting um, I guess another challenge of being at university in agricultural business, I ended up being the only female out of a course of 30 of us uh-huh. to graduate. So very male-dominated um, course. You know, you, I didn't let it affect me. That was fine. I got on well with the whole group of guys that were there. Um, but it was just interesting looking back now that, yeah, you're surrounded in a group of, you know, 20 um, or 20 to 30 students. I'm the only female uh, the lecturer was talking about ethics in agriculture and talking about how women used to be a chattel, you know, and it was all the same in the household. So, yeah, you know, the guys would all have a little laugh and, you know, you just take it, take it with your stride. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, that was really, um, really good. And, um, yeah, no, it, was, it was challenging, but it was good fun as well, you know. It was, it was glad, I'm glad, glad I did it. 
Um, I ended up also being the first female president of the Student Union Council there. So, yeah, nothing I thought I would ever, I guess when I started, you aim to achieve, but it just sort of happened, Student Union Council in second year, then third year, why not have a crack? As ag business, you probably had the least amount of contact hours. <laughs> 17 contact hours a week, so didn't have much hands-on time in the classroom. So I thought, why not um, give it a crack? Obviously, a good team of committee around you, but that was really good. Um, I guess looking back now, um, a start of that sort of leadership um, role that I've got to today. So that's your union president. See? Um, um, and then from Roseworthy, I guess that's one thing, ag business, it was great, you've got a degree. Uh, it's probably the most um, downtime of your life. You finish year 12, it's so hard, get into uni, awesome, uni's pretty cruisy in terms of work hours, get your subjects assignments done, but then leaving uni and not being able to get a job. Um, I thought, should I have done ag science and become an agronomist? Should I have done natural resource management and worked in a science field, you know, nursing and accountant? But ag business, you're not a a title, I guess, as such. Um, and I guess coming without the gap year, yes, you don't have experience. So um, leaving university and sort of applying for 20 or 30 jobs and not getting any of them was, yeah, question why do I go to uni? Um, and at the time, um, my mum was working in um, real estate in Sejuna, Washington, Wyala in the 80s. She'd actually ended up working as a salesperson for Elders Real Estate um, franchise in Wyala. So I guess I grew up with a mum that was doing open homes on Saturdays and not being able to make some school sporting events. Um, so I'd, I'd been to Elders and obviously coming from Rose with the connections with the Elders and the rural agencies and I had um, asked them about a, a, a traineeship or even to some work experience and of course oh no that's not our policy at the moment to take anyone on so you know trying to just get your foot in the door was, was quite difficult and I guess not being an agronomist or um, a specific field to go in there um, and that's where so after uni back into the waitressing scene of bars as you do um, so then it was actually yeah so mum was in real estate in Sejuna and mum had said, look, why don't you come over and just get in your foot in your door, try your hand at real estate. And I thought, oh, gosh, there's nothing I'd really planned to do or had visioned of a career. Um, but I guess I'd see my mum do well, being in commission as a real estate agent. Um, I knew mum, you know, not that they were um, of high wealth, but, but I knew that things were comfortable. You get a kitchen, you can get a, a sale and you can own your own home. So anyway, mum had said, why don't you try real estate? come and work with me um we had to put to elders as a plan um that she was going to retire within five years so the elders would put us on put me on right. um in that role it is commission based so we had to mention to elders look allison will be commission based with her mother they'll just split everything 50 50 so um i went ahead out of uni went ahead and worked with mum moved back to living with her as well, which <laughs> is testing for the first few months, but we soon sort of got on my own. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was sort of interesting. And that was, I think we had a, that was rental and sales. So we had 50 rentals and we just split the commission on the rentals, split the commission on sales, and off we went. And that was in Wyla. And I guess at the time, um, well, mum ended up being with Elders Real Estate um, Oh, it would have been over 10 years anyway. But she was, yeah, enjoying it in Sydney, a small town, 
Um, when I first moved there, we were selling houses, some houses for the railway for $10,000. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Good bargains. Looking back, why don't we buy some? Yeah. Um, but no, it was really good. And obviously this is now sort of mid or late 90s. Mum didn't have a computer, so I'd come from university, a little tiny desk that I had to myself with an electronic typewriter. So getting a handle on um, typing up your letters on a typewriter, um, making a mistake, got to start again. <laughs> um, <laughs> taking all the, all the contracts came through the Real Estate Institute. We're all handwritten, like they're all from a printed document you get posted out and handwrite all your contracts. They were A3 folded over. Take your documents to the news agency, pay five cents a sheet to get them copied so you can get a copy for each conveyancer. Um, yeah, taking photographs on a 12 exposure um, camera, get them developed, glue them onto a window card, get a stencil oh. and uh, put it up in the window. <laughs> That's how the real estate career started up in Sejuna. So. Yeah, no, it was certainly a challenging time. So you said Sejuna? Was that Sejuna or Wyala? No, no, this is Sejuna. So mum started in Wyala in the 80s. Yes. And obviously I was still at school. Uh, Port Augusta, she wasn't in real estate, but when she went to Wyala, um, elders asked her, look, would you like to start up a, you know, or be be the real estate salesperson in in Sejuna, sorry. What is the population of Sejuna? It was about 4,000 at the time. Okay, because, I mean, when you say Sejuna, the, the first thing that I think of is the uh, Indian Pacific Railway. I'm, I'm thinking, does it um, stop there? No, it's further north. So further north, right. Portagasta heads north along Tarkula. Okay. Um, Sejuna is sort of the last major town before the Great Australian Bight. Mm, right. Uh, the famous Cactus Peak, the surfing, is about 70 kilometres west. Sorry, what, Look, what did you say? Uh, the famous Cactus Beach. Cactus Beach, right, right. Beach. A lot of people travel the world to cactus. Um, was traditionally a sheep, wheat um, farming area. Um, just sort of before I came in the late 90s, a lot of the oyster industry was established and that's still very strong today. Um, so certainly a yeah, good seafood oyster industry, a few professional boats off of there. Any sharks? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Any sharks? <laughs> Shark City, mate. I think that's what they call Cactus Beach, isn't it? <laughs> right. So, has anyone been taken by a shark in Sejuna? Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Even whilst I was there. Oh my goodness! I remember one quite a windy day. It was rough weather. And we came back past the boat ramp and there was a, a professional abalone boat out. You knew their gear, yes. the big vehicle and their big boat trailer. You knew it was an ab boat. And they usually come, drove up from Port Lincoln. It was really rough weather and the ab boat was still there. And then obviously you, you find out sort of through the, the, the channels that, yeah, an ab boat was out and had gone down. Um, it, was, it was quite loaded. It was coming in, a wave came over the back, went over. Um, the captain was fearful so he stayed with the boat the boat sunk he stayed with the boat with a life couple of life jackets and the abalone diver swam ashore um i couldn't i think it was just overnight so maybe a matter of 12 14 hours he managed to get to mainland uh walk up through the the beaches and onto some sort of cropping land and found a sheep trough you know because he's the salt water just in his eyes and in your face just really starts to, to to get irritated and swollen so he managed to sort of get the fresh water into his face and eyes and everything and then walk to a, a main road where a local 
local farmer picked him up, only probably 15, 20 kilometres out of Sejuna, um, and they called for help and then they, they found the boat. I couldn't tell you how far it is off, offshore, you know, only not that far, probably 15, 20 kilometres. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately the, the captain of the boat, the, they found the life jackets just in shreds, um, but nobody mm. obviously. So, yeah, very, very sad. That happened while I was there. Gosh. Mm. Um, and there was also a, a, a surfer taken up at Cactus Beach. Uh, there were a New Zealand couple over on their honeymoon and he was out surfing. She was on the beach. And, Jeez. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think, yeah, people saw it, witnessed it like those others in the water, but they, nothing they could do, obviously. Mm, so Cactus Beach, eh? Hey? Right. Okay. And uh, so you were getting pretty uh, interested in real estate at the time and uh, doing well. With a typewriter. Uh, yes, starting out exactly. After six months, I convinced builders, managed to get a few sales, and managed to convince builders to buy us a computer. <laughs> that was a big novelty. We could type things and print them, and and then eventually, um, we could, eventually we could then scan because the internet that didn't come in probably much for real estate marketing until I moved to Catherine. Um, like you know, scanning photos to put up online. And I think realestate.com, like they came online on board in 2098, 2000, I think realestate.com was formed. So, hmm. no, it was, it was good. It was obviously a um, small community. You know everyone. It yeah. used to be fairly quiet and mum would say, look, just go for a walk up the street, you know, put your, put your shirt on and just go for a walk and you run into people. And, of course, everyone are like, oh, you work at Elders or you're Pam's daughter. So certainly a lot of business coming that way. Um, just by being in that local community. Which was and, you, really and you liked it? You enjoyed being there? So do you know? Yeah, no, it's good. Obviously isolated, so um, 4,000 people, only eight hours from Adelaide. Mm. So people talk about Catherine being isolated. It's like, well, you're only three hours from Darwin, you can get on an international flight. So <laughs> it's an eight-hour drive to Adelaide or, or you know, $200 one way on, a, on an aircraft. So... Mm. So how, how, how did you get uh, from Sejuna to Catherine? Um, so it was from university, a friend that I'd lived with at university. She had studied natural resource management. Um, and as soon as we finished university, she came to Catherine to be part of sort of a, a Green Corps group, um, which is around natural resource management. And she uh, came up in 98, then ended up staying here for a few years. So I decided to visit. I said, I've always... Um, I'd been to Darwin in 1988. My sister lived there for a short period with her husband, so I'd visited Darwin um, 10 years earlier. So I decided to, to go and visit Andrea for a two-week holiday. Um, I was with Elders in Sejuna, so I went to Elders Catherine and said, oh, hi, I'm from Elders in Sejuna. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you doing? Can I come out for the day? So that was a, that was a great experience. Bruce Cameron was a branch manager at the time and, uh, he was really good. Uh, we ended up jumping in the car and driving down to Merrifield, which um, Peter and Donna Shibbert had just bought that. So this was in 99. And then went on down to Hayfield um, where the Dyers are and that family is still there now. I remember talking to Lisa Dyer. Um, she was still at, at school in Adelaide at the time and, you know, wondering what to do career-wise. So I just spoke about what I had done at university. Yeah, so that was just one big day. I think we left 5 a.m. out of Adelaide, uh, out of Catherine and got back about 8 o'clock that night, so big day. Um, I just remember Bruce saying, 
Um, cause I've had always had horses and, and Bruce mentioned, oh, you'll love Catherine cause there's so many horses up here. So I thought, oh wow, that sounds great. Because <laughs> obviously on the West coast in South Australia, um, there, it was all fishing and surfing. There was no horses as such. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, so yeah, it came up. Um, so I visited and, um, sorry, then it was elders that then came and approached me. They, they rang up early in 2000 and said, oh, look, do you want to come up and do property management rentals? And I thought, oh, not sure if I move that far for rentals. Um, <laughs> said, we only had about 50. I thought, oh, you know. And I actually just started doing a little bit of insurance work. So um, I thought, see where that takes me. Um, and then six months later, they pretty much said, look, do you want to come up and do sales? Um, pre-internet, um, elders through the network every Friday would send out a fax, what's sold this week? So every Friday lunch, what sold this week? And Adelaide office would send out a fax, uh, you know, what, whatever town it was, property, value um, and date. And that was sort of the late 90s. And I remember um, Marion Shave, the salesperson for elders in um, Catherine, she was selling four or five houses a week. And I thought, wow, she's, things are moving in Catherine. That was obviously just before the flood and looking back now it was when the meatworks was open mount title was open things were happening um so then in sort of 99 2000 um and i'd met marion in adelaide at conferences and she was all you know a get up and go and making it happen um when they said look come up and do sales i said yeah for sure marion's selling heaps you know there's so much happening in catherine um before the internet again you couldn't search why or how or statistics mm-hmm. or days on market or those sorts of information so the world well, marion yeah she went up and um had a great time and I, I remember asking why is she leaving and they said oh um you know she's going into other things and didn't really say oh look the market's just dropped there's nothing happening so <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so yeah i sort of got convinced to come up and my friend from university was still living here at the time so yeah, decided to move up. It was December the 4th, 2000 that I started and I remember going out to an old Fitzner's insurance Christmas party where half of Catherine was there. So it was really good to sort of get out and meet and see people. And I remember um, one of the, the employees' wives saying, look, if you can get through this time, you're going to love the dry season because it was sort of 40 degrees every day, so hot and humid, coming from South Australia, which is so dry um, and windy down on Sejuna. So, hmm. Did your mother miss? Did your mother want you to go? Was she upset uh, that you left? I think yeah, she would have loved me to stay, but she knew the opportunity, and hmm. yeah, by that stage, this is what I'm doing. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was there for two and a half years, um, real estate in Sydney with her. So yeah, the five year plan to the bosses and elders that I was going to take over, yeah, didn't. didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah. so, uh, how did you sort? How, how did things sort of progress from? Uh, so you came after the floods, did you, in Catherine? Yes. Yep. So it was two years after the flood. So I remember having some listings, and I, when I arrived, they said, "Look, here's all the files." So I took over the sales files. So we had a lot of listings anyway. Um, and I remember going through and selling some houses, sitting down with the clients, and then going through the title search. We're signing the contract at. 180,000 and I'd go through the title search and I'd see previous transfer 220 and I was like wow just about to sell this client's house at 40,000 less than they paid for it four years ago um and I guess not having the background knowledge 
to discuss it all. The client was happy and obviously they were well aware of it. They were just in a situation of we, we need to get it sold, we need to get going. So, um, yeah, that was sort of quite interesting to see, right, I, I've stepped into this and then um, your sort of mind's going, well, why, what happened, you know, where's it going? So you're forever sort of then searching back then it was sort of just reading the paper and you could find out what's happening and then I guess indirectly you're sort of you're sparking then a, an understanding or a, an interest in the local economy why are people leaving town why are people coming to town um are the banks earning money are they not all those sorts of things you start thinking and researching before you're really you know aware of what you're doing so yeah so it was, it was challenging um but certainly yeah enjoyed it and at the time I remember um, after sort of 12, 18 months, you sort of had a few credit cards maxed out. Um, I remember thinking, look, I can't afford to leave. I can't afford to put fuel in my car to drive back to South Australia. You know, what are we going to keep keep on going? So um, head down, charge away. Um, and that's when the market started picking up. We started seeing first homeowners kick back in as the rental market picked up, employment picked up, 2003, four, and obviously then into five. Um, and, yeah, that's when things are really moving. You know, I think there's 50-odd sales in a year um, or possibly a bit more. Um, it, was, it was going well and, yeah, really, really glad. Obviously, stuck through it, pushed through the hard times, um, and just I think being honest at that beginning, you build that rapport again in a relatively small community. You've got ten thousand odd people in Catherine. Um, same thing. Walk down the street, you get to know people, get to build that um, trust. Um, so the market really picked up and started moving in that two thousand five on a residential basis, and that's obviously then when I went on for the award. Um, but you were doing more than just selling residential, though. That was what yes, was intriguing. Right. So, yeah. so obviously coming to Catherine, the elders, um, real estate. So real estate is one of the products elders offered, obviously with merchandise and livestock back then, wool and insurance and things. So you're in that branch. So you've got the rural pastoral clients coming in um, for all their, their cattle um, supplies, a lot of farmers for all their fertiliser and chemical for their crops. So Elders as a rural agency provides that real estate service and being isolated, I was the, the real estate girl. So, yeah, fortunately um, the branch manager, and I guess you could say the two I see at the time, were very supportive. Um, we had clients that were Elders clients and they wanted to sell their property and that's when I managed to go um, to my first rural or pastoral listing, which was Broadmere Station, uh, 2001, I think it was, um, and like Mike Garland, the local livestock agent. Yep, I'll take you out there. I know the property. I will know the clients um, and the cattle. So, yeah, that was my first venture out um, for the pastoral and truly loved it. Like it was, you know, I think seven hours to get out there <laughs> one way. That's like um, what, uh, that's like what, Wyala to, uh, to Adelaide, yeah, is it? Adelaide, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, and I remember doing inspections in a day. I remember leaving at sort of four o'clock in the morning and getting back at midnight, you know, oh my back and driving clients around. And I thought, oh, this is what it's all about. I got to toughen up and let's, let's get on with it. Mm. I was just wondering, you know, with the move from Sejuna to Catherine, um, obviously you, you were working pure real estate in Sejuna and was more of a, a mixed business in Catherine. But on the real estate side, did you notice any differences between the, the SA market and, and the NT market? Not really. Um, because I think you're a smaller regional towns, um, I haven't sold in the cities. Obviously, a lot more competition with agencies. Um, 
when I started out, I guess I was only uh, 20, so young and female real estate. It was very much the image. Real estate agents, when we did our, when we did our training, so you had to do training through the real, uh, through TAFE, South Australia, sorry, um, you know, the image of the used car salesperson and real estate agent, they're about the same level, you know. Mm. I guess having gone through it, it's like, well, no, hang on. Uh, I'm not going to let myself lower to that level. I'm not a used this kind of salesperson. I'm a real estate agent. We do contracts. There's legal. There's law subjects. I studied at university, so I tried to uphold that that strong ethics, you could say. Um, mm. But just uh, very similar because you've got your family's um, vendors. You've got some young first home buyers. Um, you've got some investors. Um, the difference, obviously, was the farming. Um, in Virginia, there wasn't a lot of turnover. A lot of family-owned farms, sheep and wheat property. Um, it was more into the territory that I sort of hit that rural side um, more intensely. Mm. Just just on that for a second, um, uh, Leon obviously knows this, but but you probably don't. I've also got an agent's reps license, oh, and uh, what was very interesting when when we started training, uh, as I did in Darwin, um, on day one it was pointed out to us that uh, real estate agents use car salesmen and lawyers were all <laughs> considered about one and the same <laughs> we're, just, we're missing one for the trifecta <laughs> <laughs> that's right and that's what I, I think i just focus on and gaining that trust and respect from your clients and your um and your yeah, customers, and I guess it, very early on, you can't make someone buy something, you know, yeah. as much as you want to make the deal happen. If they don't want it, they don't want it, no matter how big or small it is. So mm. it's not being caught up in it. And I remember when I came up and obviously things were tough and the, the agency said, look, stick by it, you'll get, you know, to X amount of sales. And the first year just fell short of that. But, you know, keep the, the support, I guess, of those the local staff on the ground really helped to get through then yeah you sort of you sort of you don't get focused on the the nitty-gritty of every transaction just do the right thing by your clients and you know the business will, will come essentially that's the overarching comments mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. mm. and so you won the award uh how, how did that feel when when you won oh, that oh it was quite surprising yeah i was shocked um <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. Like, I remember the night I was up in Darwin at the casino on the lawns and I guess back in 2005, again, the internet wasn't used much and email, I think we used to dial up and check emails once a day. Um, <laughs> you know, the jingling sound of the email dial-up. So <laughs> for me, there wasn't a lot of people in Darwin I knew, so I guess I was just focused on Catherine Market, what we're doing here. Um, Elders Darwin, uh, there was just a small franchise at the time. Um, so Elders wasn't as big as it is now. So, yeah, going to the awards is a, you know, most of the people there I did not know. So it was quite amazing to be around so many real estate professionals. Prior to that, I'd been to conferences within Elders in Adelaide and um, other state, yeah, mainly Adelaide, for our rural conferences and real and residential conferences. So, yeah, just the, the being there on the night was a bit of an eye-opener with all these real estate people. 
all dressed up and in their fine form. <laughs> um, yeah, so so winning the award is actually quite nervous. Um, I remember hearing that Marianne Martin, I think, had won the award the year earlier, and they used to have speeches, but after that there wasn't a speech because I was so nervous. You know, do I have to do a speech? And I said, no, no, it's okay. You don't have to do a speech this year. So that was a bit of relief. But, yeah, winning the award was... That might have been because Mary Ann had, had, had a fairly long and drawn out speech. Uh, <laughs> I think she might have killed it for you, Alison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if reputation's right. anything to go by. Yeah, no, I heard that it was a bit drawn out and then a few accusations made, so they said, right. And I guess that was also a good um, motivator, I guess. Once you, you get on, get into real estate and keep the, the wheels turning, you just you keep on going. And that's what I love about the job, similar to when I studied at uni, was um, you're not sitting in front of a computer all day, um, or back then, typewriter back in the early days, but um, you're out and about, you're seeing people um, getting, you know, obviously on the rural side of things, seeing some beautiful country and scenery and um, and really enjoyed sort of that negotiations, I think, you know, putting the two parties together, making sure you got all areas covered. Um, so when we do get to solicitors and conveyances that we're, everyone's agreed, everyone's on the same page before the... Mm. And wheels fall off, no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how did you go from there to taking over the franchise? Business ownership. So continued on at the Elders Real Estate Branch. Um, then obviously Elders is such a corporate big company. Um, certain reasons, 2013, um, I left and owned rural co-property. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, my children were only two and three years old, so to go out and do my own business. I'm like, no, to do that, you need to have a lot of time and energy to focus on that business. Um, we've also got a small farm here. And at the time, we decided to, to get ourselves into horticulture, so we're doing lettuce, iceberg and cos lettuce, supplying all of Darwin. Um, did it for five years to work out the economic benefit and then reverted out of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's, a, that's time for another story. Um, so, yeah. Went into, went into rural co and that was no one had heard of rural co property. Um, there was um, Andy Gray who was in Darwin who had been with rural co property but at the time was out. He was working for, not in real estate um, and he was fairly supportive and he was good. I guess I was my own person. I was similar, commission paid per salesperson working for the agency. Um, it was putting in then. Um, marketing in town, you know, Alison Ross. Um, I'm not one to get out there and, you know, say, look at me, but I needed to promote that Alison Ross is still doing the same job, just a different shirt, so to speak. Um, no one's heard of rural co property. So um, support from local um, sort of conveyances, solicitors, finance people was really overwhelming. Um, it was really good. I sort of, so I sort of set up, um, but a lot of the systems and procedures, there was nothing in, in place. So sort of starting that all up from scratch, um, being on your own so you can uh, sort of manage your time with your listings and sales um, was quite good and I was quite good with that anyway because coming from commission, you, you're self-disciplined to, to get the job done. So Rural Co for two and a half years um, and that was sort of going quite well. Um, you know, got to know people in that network and the rural agency side of things as well. Um, and then elders obviously came back on the phone. They had a change in their management staff and, you know, come back. And I thought, well, no, for nearly 15 years of service as a corporate and 
yeah, I was just treated as a number. Um, not sure if I want to come back or what happens, you know, you've got a good manager and then someone else comes in, things change. So elders had previously gone through a stage where they'd sold off some offices, like real estate offices. I think Cairns was one um, and another one further south in Queensland. So I said, look, I'll come back if you let me buy the business. So essentially buying the business in real estate is buying your rent roll. Um, over a period of six months, elders then agreed, okay, let's do it. Um, and I guess for me, this is when, insert the, the ag business degree, um, when I was selling real estate and back in 2003, four and five, I remember one of the other agencies was just getting all these houses listed. I thought, where are they getting those leads? How do they get those leads? And it was from their rent roll. They had quite a, you know, three times the size of rent roll as what elders had. And they're getting leads just popping up everywhere. So obviously a lot of listings, when the market picks up, bang, they just had income coming in straight away. So knowing that coming back to elders, yes, my main job is sales, but I know to make the sales work, we need to have that property management mental connection. So that's where um, yeah, elders agreed um, to sell business. So essentially I, you buy the rent roll and enter into a franchise agreement. So it was a pretty big decision, um, obviously um, confidence for myself. Um, but at that stage I had a good accountant and from a lot of training in real estate and um sort of business mentorship you sort of you know as i say you know <clears throat> work on your your strengths and outsource your weaknesses so spoke to the accountant and said right if i do this i need you to look after my payroll and hr <laughs> i yeah. need you to look after um you know all my 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 bass statements and things like that i can't but my time's more valuable out doing my sales role so having the support of those people, um, you know, legal support with getting employment contracts. I didn't have time to be researching, you know, employing staff. So I just made sure I had that all set up first. Obviously for the bank, I made sure I did a business plan um, and have that all covered and how I would run it. Um, and I think being in that sort of elder's office for 15 years, not just real estate but the other products, you see how management styles work and some management styles don't work. So you sort of formal if this had changed or if that had changed or why did that staff member leave or how could that staff member improve their performance so and I was really quite interested in that and how it could all work so yeah I decided to take on the challenge and let's be a business owner something as I said I never thought moving here 20 years ago or even 10 years ago I'd end up being a business owner it was just sort of one thing led to the other then confidence and support of people around you that says look we think you can do it you know you succeeded and I took, took a little leap and, yeah, took on the business. <laughs> you didn't think about bringing your mother up? Uh, I had mentioned it to her. By that time, she had retired. So after <laughs> I left, um, my stepdad actually stepped into my role. He had been working in another area unrelated, so he went and worked. So whilst it was mother-daughter in real estate, then it became husband and wife in real estate. Then <laughs> um, they actually did move up here for two years, um, two thousand seven i think it was uh they moved up and just um she didn't really want to get into real estate she'd done her her, her 20 odd years so uh you know she was just at, at home she only good support when i first moved up here a lot of questions because i'd only had two and a half years experience so uh, you know speaking to mum about now negotiations and when the buyer says this or when the vendor wants that so certainly a lot of um contact there um, but no, yeah, buying the business, I knew mum had retired and not wanted 
need to step in. I think if you're the staff thought that, oh, you know, mum's going to come up and, and, and take over, but no, definitely not. Um, she, and she fully respected that, which was good. Mm. So going from uh, an agent, um, you know, who, who built a career over quite a number of years, so we'll say a successful agent, no doubt, and award-winning agent, uh, to a business owner. How was the, uh, I mean, from what you just described, you, you, you clearly had it uh, sussed in terms of the things that you were going to outsource and you had a business plan and you, you thought about it. But how was the move in reality? Uh, busy. <laughs> um, still now, it's, I've got onto even more busier things. But, yeah, every night pretty much consumed then around being on the laptop. So taking on the business ownership, um, I wanted to make sure I looked after my staff. So uh, there was three others at the time. Make sure they're covered so when I came home, I was doing a lot of my job, my sales job. Um, if I wasn't doing that, I'd be working at okay. Um, you know, making sure their job roles, job description was complete. Um, I'd seen looking at other businesses that people had left and people, you know, oh, they're not doing their job properly. Well, have you told them what you expected them? What's their, their job description? So that was... I came back in, it was December, November 15, so it was February 16 that the, the franchise, the 5th of February I think was settlement for the franchise. So pretty much since then, every not every, five out of seven nights, um, pretty much is in front of the laptop, keeping a handle on it all, um, checking out the business plan, keeping an eye on, on figures. Um, the, t- the, the, the market again took a bit of a slump at that time. Um, as you know, so the market was peaking. Darwin had their impex. Catherine wasn't an impex, which meant we didn't have the bust either. But um, it was pretty strong, healthy market 2015, 2016. So well, you had Tyndall down there, don't when you? When I took on the, the business, it was um, when I took on the business, uh, the market was quite slow. So it was making sure to keep the sales turning over, so you can have that income coming in. You've got property management, um, seeing what we can do there to, to fix and grow it. Um, with buying the business, there was some growth. Some, some management came on straight aboard, so straight away we're into a growth phase of that rent roll, um, working out the staff that were there and what, you know, what they were good at, what we needed to, to move for other staff roles. Mm, so that, that was the main thing, it was just the, the volume of work had stepped up. <laughs> mm. uh, and does Tyndall, the, the base, the Air Force base down there, does that have an impact on your business? Oh, definitely, yes. So obviously it has an impact on the whole economy in Catherine. Uh, that's, yeah, that's sort of full stop. Um, we do have a lot of um, RAF members that want to rent in town. So as defence members on base might have a pet, like a single single RAF employee might have a pet or just want to live in a different circumstance, they'll come and rent in the open market. So we've got a portion of tenants that are defence members, but it's not a defence housing lease. Um, at the moment, uh, well, I guess in the last 12 months, the main impact Defence Base has had on Catherine has been the lend-lease contracts that developing yes. across, was it $10 billion across Northern Australian Defence? So that's really sort of kept Catherine going through this quite a time. Um, some of those higher-end employees, um, you know, two-year tenancies, um, so some of the management with those, those organisations, plus then it trickles down to contractors. Um, that mm. have come along and connected. And I think now they've announced the next round 
So we've just had some tenants sort of last week, you know, we want to sign for 18 months because that's the rest of our contract. The girls had someone called, yes, they're wanting a two-year tenancy. So I bought the business, the rental market came down, or the sales market as well came down. It blew out to 99 vacancies in Catherine. So people are moving here. I don't want to buy because there's so much to rent. I might get stuck with it. Mm. Um, whereas in 2010, 11, 12, there's nothing to rent, let's buy. So it was a total backflip. Um, but it was, we've sort of been moving along and now as of yesterday, I think there's only 31 vacancies in Catherine. So if you're moving here for work, essentially there's only 31 that's advertised real estate.com. So that's sort of all mm. three agencies in Catherine. But slowly we're sort of picking up. And, and I've always sort of seen you've got your defence, which is not going anywhere. There's always a demand for housing for defence. Um, we have our police force, which has a demand for housing. Um, education, um, teacher housing is, is providing Catherine. And whilst they're looking at possibly taking away some of those benefits, there's still the teachers that need that accommodation. There's still education, Catherine as a hub. Um, and also then health. Catherine is a fairly major hub for your outlying health organisations. I think there's three or four based in Catherine and you've got your shires based in Catherine. So um, I guess as a sales agent and then as a business owner, it's providing that confidence. I find that Catherine will be fairly resilient and continue because we've got those sort of areas, industries, uh, that have demand for housing and employment. What about that there was another flood in Catherine, wasn't there? <laughs> 98 <laughs> major flood yes. went through this main street. 2006 was when water did enter the main street, just at one end. Right. Um, that was the one time I happened to be away. I had a around-the-world trip, um, so I was on the other side of the world when that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of um, discussion around the first flood in 98 a lot of debris hadn't been cleared out, so water couldn't get away. Um, a big wet season and, yeah, water didn't go through the whole of town. It was sort of some of the lower-lining drainage areas, really, that water backed up in. How much does it have to rise to, to flood? Because driving over that uh, bridge as you come into town, I always think it must be a fair amount of water that's building up to actually flood the town. Yes, uh, I'd have to check the internet for the exact statistics. But I know it's around that 20, 21 metres. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've been here sort of very close, sort of 18 and a half, 19, and, and quite frequently in many years it would get to 15 or 16 every year. Mm. Um, and Florina Road would get cut off for a few hours and it was quite common for these things. Unfortunately, in the last two years we haven't seen anywhere near that. <laughs> it's been quite mm. um, very dry. Obviously our driest year in, in 60 years is this wet season gone. Um, most back to the farming side, but most producers are confident that it will be cyclic and, you know, this year we'll hopefully aim for an early wet. <laughs> um, we'll just see, see how the weather patterns pan out. And have you seen any crocodiles sort of uh, traipse through the, the main street of Catherine at any stage? <laughs> Not through the main street, no. No, no. I did the elders' office in 98. Again, I wasn't here, but the elders' office was in the main street where Bendigo Bank was. And I remember hearing stories that they, they thought it was going to flood, so they got sandbags and put them up, you know, you know five or six inches up the walls and, and taped up some areas of the, the windows and doors um, in preparation for the flood in 98. 
in in reality it went through so six foot six foot through the building so Goodness. they didn't bother much but um yeah i recall stories of of crocodiles sort of through the main street oh. um, i remember hearing stories the biggest damage apparently was a lot of gas bottles because they'd float and then they'd uh, smash glass windows and yeah, yeah. big messes of people's gas bottles. So. Right. And what about, look, the other thing that, uh, that uh, you know, we, we hear about in relation to Catherine is the PFAS. Can you explain what that is and how that's actually affected Catherine? Um, sure. PFAS, as we read online, um, was a, a chemical used in the foam, firefighting foam out of the raft based tindal, plus I think every other airport, not just defence, but airport in Australia. Um, very heavily used in the 80s, early 90s. I've got plenty of friends that can recall, you know, the big Christmas party with all the um, fire, firefighters' foam being thrown around. Um, it was 2015, 16 when they found the levels obviously in the water. So, uh, PFAS was in the town water supply because the town water supply comes out of the Catherine River and via bore. So in that bore, PFAS was found. Um, they have also found PFAS has leached into the groundwater and come out in the river. So what is found, it? Uh, it's just a, a chemical. Apparently it's very similar to, well, it's the same chemical they have in the old Teflon fry pans. Right. And um, mm. the Scotch Guard on lounges. Which I remember when I moved to the territory, I bought a, a lounge from La Cornu and paid two hundred dollars to get it. <laughs> you could have just left it outside in Catherine, would have been the same I thing. Know. <laughs> I know. Hosed it down. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm not a scientist. They sort of, you know, say that, and that, and that, that that's the health records like cannot prove what it does obviously it builds up the biggest thing they're saying is it builds up and stays in your system you can't just flush it out overnight it will degrade over time um i didn't get my blood tested probably because i didn't have time but a lot of people did get tested um but yeah it was in the river so pretty much your hot springs downstream um and as you go further downstream it is uh more diluted so um, yeah, interesting how that science works. So, pretty much your properties with groundwater between the raft base and the and the the river had some high, some low, some no levels of PFAS. So that all sort of came out. Um, it did coincide just after the market was falling. So, as the federal budget tightened up, a lot of your government outbush contracts weren't there. A lot of local contractors were um, scaling back their workload. Along came PFAS. So property values did drop, but they're on their way down before PFAS was announced. Mm. Right. And then if PFAS wasn't enough, which, I mean, obviously that was 2015, 16, did you say? Yeah. Uh, about the same time that you bought the business. Yes. Yeah. Um, you, you, you had uh, the live cattle trade ban in 2000 and what was that 11 or 12 uh, 2011 so that was beforehand yeah God. yep so that was before that was when I was still at elders um that was significant definitely that was property values dropped 50 percent without a doubt um we sold a property in Merrifield um 2009 round figures 1250 a beast area and then by 2012, after Live Export, 2012, 13, um, 650 beast area. So definitely 50% drop in property values. That was GFC and the Live Export ban. 
because <laughs> banks were borrow, banks were lending in mm. the late two thousands, eight nine, based on capital growth. And obviously, as a few people start asking questions, well, how are we going to pay this money back on all these large partial values, given the price for live export had been remained fairly stable. So yeah, that was yeah that was the hit was live export, and then I guess the the whole economy was slowing down. That was just after the impacts had started slowing down the territory as a whole, and then Catherine, um, because I think. Well, Leon, you had the statistics of how many of the territory population are government employed. So when the budget's tight, the employment's not there, therefore demand for housing goes down and values come down. So, um, mm. yeah. So I know it's it's certainly been a challenge. I'm always a sort of trying to remain optimistic in what, what can happen. Um, certainly don't disregard the disadvantages or risks or threats, but also looking at the opportunities and, and keeping keeping things moving forward. <laughs> Um, Alison, interested to know uh, if there's any sort of uh, Catherine-Darwin uh, rivalry that we don't know about or that we do know about. We, we know there's one between Alice Springs and Darwin. Uh, how, how do the Catherineites uh, view, of those, uh, view those in Darwin? Oh, Catherine certainly is very much aware of the Barrymore line, definitely. <laughs> and, um, and I guess being here for this amount of time, I've seen the way that the NT News has reported Catherine sometimes. Mm. Um, you know, I've seen quite um, damaging reports and articles and that was the one thing I guess I was disappointed about with the PFAS. Yes, it was terrible. Um, we want to make it right. But the way that it was really pushed, we had people that had jobs here that were, look, there's no way we're buying because we're, we're scared, we're worried, or what's with the PFAS? Am I going to get sick? You know, people were asking all these questions. The image it set for Catherine was just horrendous. Mm. So, um, yeah, that was really hard and challenging. Um, and also then some Darwin people sort of worried about coming down with antisocial behaviour. Um, don't want to buy I'm not sure which area to buy in. And instead of just trying to encourage people that look, at Catherine is not bad. You, you can get out of it what you put into it. Mm. Um, I came, I thought, I'll come up for 12 months and I've been here 20 years and now I own a business. So mm. um, it is a great community that people are very accepting. Um, as I said, all the sporting organisations and, and events, and it, that's really accelerated with with internet and technology and social media. Wow, you know, we just come out of COVID, and most people's diaries are pretty full now with yeah. those events and activities and social groups, which is really good to see. Is that there's a growing Filipino population in Catherine? Is there? Yeah, that's been fairly strong the whole time I've been here. I know they have a Filipino association and a, a hall as such. Um, but no, this has certainly been here for quite some time. But yeah, definitely. Right. And, and what about uh, the, the mango um, farmers in Catherine? Because the mango season seems to start later in Catherine than it is in Darwin, isn't it? Yes, Catherine's still got the best mangoes. <laughs> um, I couldn't see that one coming, Leo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, it's proven. It's proven. Test the markets. I've got that Go to Melbourne and Sydney and check out the market for Catherine mangoes. Right. Um, it's certainly known for its better uh, quality. Um, I know Darwin pushes to be the first on the market to get the best price. Uh, then the quality is not there, so it drops the price for the rest of us in Catherine. <laughs> 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 Quite a terrible product, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, Catherine Marcus has certainly seen for their premium quality. Um, mm. So, yeah, there's some big operators down here. Um, 
Because it's interesting because the temperature in Catherine during the dry season, it drops uh, significantly compared yes. to Darwin, doesn't it? Yeah, we need that cold temperatures for mangoes to flower. Mm-hmm. So since I've been here twice, it's got to four degrees overnight. Well, that's usually at sunrise, but, yeah, four degrees has been the mm-hmm. lowest minimum since I've been here. Gosh, that's um, amazing. And this year already, like Darwin, had that, that chilly, unusual weather about three weeks ago with some rain. We had 10 mils of rain. Very unusual. Yes. So tell me, uh, you are honestly one of the busiest people I've ever come across in, in the territory. <laughs> You're always on the go, Alison. Okay. What do you yes. do for, I mean, you, you obviously like travelling because you mentioned travelling around the world. What do you do for fun? Um, I've still got my horses. <laughs> <laughs> Um, having two daughters that have got into horses as well. Um, I met some pretty great families and friends when I first got here that are into the sport of camp drafting. Um, that's not judged on so much presentation and tidiness. So that for me suited coming from <laughs> South Australia, it was very much pony club. You had to be clean and tidy and plaited and polished. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's a great social aspect as well as the sport and the adrenaline and the horses. So, um, yeah, that sort of... Um, got a few, few, few of us girlfriends that sort of catch up, and uh, yeah, bring. Obviously, our kids are all growing up together now, so it's a great social side, learning side for those, for those kids, um, and have that as well. And back to the Darwin side of things, yes, it is sometimes Catherine play, sometimes you know a trip to Darwin for a day or overnight, reset, refresh, look at the water, smell a bit of sea, sea air, <laughs> come back into it. Um, but I must admit, we're, we're here, we're on the Catherine River now, and, and that is truly unique. That's all you got to do is just walk down the river and, um, you know, do, just have a, a campfire or, or a bit of a flick of a lure, and that, that's certainly rewarding and relaxing. Mm. You mentioned before um, COVID-19. I'm just interested to know, uh, you know, how that affected you guys and, and you know, did, did businesses suffer as much as they have in other parts of, of the country? Yeah, it came on obviously fairly uh, quickly. It was everywhere. Um, I guess fortunately for, for Catherine, we're fairly isolated anyway, so we didn't have any, or Territory had no community cases and what was in Catherine were family, a family that were travelling overseas, did the right thing, came home isolated, tested positive and, and stayed at home. So we didn't have any other crossover there. If anything, it took the media attention away from PFAS and all the other the issues in Catherine. Um, and my salesperson, my sales staff rang me and she said, Alison, I've just had seven offers in four days um, just before Easter. A lot of people that have been sitting there, should I, shouldn't I, on the fence, um, decided, you know what, let's buy. Um, interest rates are low. It's not a financial crisis. Um, I've still got a relatively, you know, a, a job, a relatively good job. Um, we're relatively healthy. So, you know what, let's buy. So, really kick-started sales again in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, property management again, people that were here for work, um, we took, took, took on long-term tenancies. Um, haven't had people yet sort of, sorry, we have had two or three people that have moved here during COVID over the, across borders, so having self-isolate and go through the certain paperwork. People that are moving here in the next two or three months for work, so that's great. I think most people realise that because of our isolation, we're 
business as usual um, throughout the business community. Um, I'm a member of the Chamber of Commerce as well and a lot of businesses really got in and supported local. Um, the florist shop that's in our complex, she said she's been busier than ever. Um, the cafes all just went takeaway. Certain protocols, mm. order online, order on your app, collect. Um, so, yeah, it was really good for that community support. Certainly the tourism's having an impact now. Um, those Some of those businesses really suffer. Um I think it was evident the long weekend just gone. A lot of people who get out and travel. Um, I haven't been to Darwin yet, but I had a lot of people driving out of Darwin on Saturday morning. So it's great that they might come to Catherine where they never would have thought to come to Catherine. They might have been going to Bali or Sydney or Brisbane for a holiday. They might come to Catherine or within the territory. So I guess if we can all keep supporting each other on that aspect for the next few months until we can get the tourism back. Um, I guess a lot of local businesses are looking at on the positive that next year we'll have less tourists wanting to go overseas on a cruise ship so they'll come and visit the, the territory. So, <laughs> And it's so cold and in Melbourne and Sydney and Adelaide that they'll just want to come up and get warm anyway. So that's sort of the, the optimistic forecast anyway for tourism next year. Well, um, sorry, you were going to say something else there? Oh, no, just um, other businesses, you know, your trades, because there's still a large number of rental properties, maintenance, all that, it's still kept flowing through. Mm. Um, as a real estate agency, the only thing we had pull up was um, Mr Gunner restricted us from doing routine inspections for yes. rentals. So a lot yep. of my staff were a bit concerned and we did push that, look, in Catherine, it's fair enough in a city apartment, but in Catherine, even in the, well, in the top end, you've got extreme weather conditions, termites, um, weathering, you know, sun damage, water damage onto infrastructure. Then it's to pick that up. We need to go and have a look. So fortunately, only Friday, the 5th, just gone, um, we're allowed to go back on, on the ground. So my mm. staff are ecstatic. Yes, we can go back doing um, routine inspections. They were really happy to do that and get back on board. So, mm. Mm. But the staff, they, not all of my staff wanted to come into work. They said, we don't want to work from home. Um, we love the, the, the business community and the support we offer each other. So we made sure we followed the right protocols um, with hygiene. Um, and, you know, locked, had our door shut for, for a few weeks just to sort of educate our, our clients. Look, if you don't really need to see us face-to-face, then call us. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, we got through and, and I think the whole town did really well. That was good. Yeah. That's great. Well, Alison, thank you so much for coming on the podcast uh, and sharing your story. Sure. You're uh, you're a remarkable uh, lady, and you know your uh, achievements in the territory. I think uh, are, are very unsung and underrated, um, especially you know living out there in Catherine and, and and kicking some pretty big goals. I do not know another real estate agent that that uh, sells residential at the same time as as uh, you know rural, and I still can't believe you do that. <laughs> so. Oh, no. That's the one thing I guess to owning, going into the business ownership side of things. I can now set up my staff. I don't have to get head office approval to employ staff. So um, I've got a residential salesperson now that's been in the job for sort of coming up eighteen months that she's taken on that residential side. So right. yeah, and that's also just as rewarding to know that okay, there's someone that can come in and you know help guide them through to their success and watching their success. Um, and also the property managers watch the business grow and, and and help them through and see it grow and them get rewarded as well. So. Right. So, um, yeah, so thank you. Uh, All the best with everything in Catherine. Uh, I love your optimism 
And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we'll catch up next time you're in Darwin. Yes, for sure. I think the REINT Awards are still on again this year. That's been postponed, but we'll be there in October. <laughs> that was Alison Ross, the owner of Elders Real Estate in Catherine on the Territory Story podcast. We'll catch you again next time. You've been listening to the Territory Story podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story podcast on all leading podcasting platforms. The Territory Story podcast. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.